Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. My mom just like shimmied across the room, <laughs> trying so hard not to make noise. Um, I want chocolate milk so bad. You said that last episode, which was twenty minutes ago. <laughs> no, I still want it. <laughs> you guys, like what? I know that I need chocolate and milk. Mm. I don't have either of those things. <laughs> but, like really, like I don't want like regular regular chocolate milk. Yeah. Like I want the one that you make when you're a little kid. You like put all the chocolate in the bottom and mix. Wow. Yes, because it's fudgy like that, and you, you it's get fudgy like that. you get surprise fudge chunks when you do that, and it's yeah. very exciting. No, at the end we get all the chunks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other day I got a uh, PB and J smoothie, and I love peanut butter. I am peanut butter's number one fan. Love it. Like when I'm hungover, the only thing I want to do is eat peanut butter out of a jar with a spoon. Ew. And so I got this uh, smoothie on just like a regular day, and it was a PB and J smoothie, and I got a peanut butter chunk, and I. I think I almost started to cry. I was so excited. It's like the little things in life, you know? The peanut butter chunks. Yeah. <laughs> and caramel chunks, too. Those are exciting. Like caramel. when you get a Starbucks. Yeah. Caramel. Caramel. When you get like a Starbucks Frappuccino with like caramel crunch and then you get a caramel chunk. That is so exciting. It's like actually scary, like what's in a Starbucks drink. Like if no. I had is la la. Then I look on the app and it's like 946 <laughs> calories and like literally like permanent damage to your kidneys. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. Y'all, I have a gala on Saturday, and I got a dress in December for the sole purpose that I did not want to stress myself out. I finally tried on the dress, and it doesn't fit me at all, to the point where I go to get it altered, and this woman was like, girl, let's get a new dress. I was like, girl, it's easier said than done. Yes. And so now I've actually bought eight dresses, because I'm extremely indecisive, and I don't like any of them. Ooh, that one's so pretty. Oh, and that's exactly your color, pale pink. Yes! I wanted a pale pink. I ordered a pink dress. I was like, okay, safe proof, like it's pink, and it's like just the dress. No. She looks like Barbie. It's in a the way. color of Lily Barbie's dream house. Speaking of Barbie's dream house, I, one, love that show. 
unironically. I have watched the entire series like three times on Netflix, <laughs> unironically. As an adult, I have too. And I really like the fact that they make Ken a himbo. Like, Ken's yes. entire purpose on that show is to exist for Barbie. He actually has an entire episode where he's trying to find his purpose in life. Like, he becomes an astronaut, he becomes like a race car driver. And then the end of the episode, he's like, wait, my sole purpose is to survive for Barbie. And he, like, runs to the house, opens the door for her. And I was like, I love that for him. Know your place. <laughs> know your place. And also, I love how they made him ultra-feminine. Because yes, we've he's a been that knowing that Ken is ultra-feminine. And, like, that's just so exciting that he, they, like, portrayed him like that in the show. Is himbo an offensive term? I, I don't know. I've am actually I, never heard that word I, before. Am I allowed life. to say that? I don't know. I don't know. I call people himbos all the time. I literally don't know what that means, so. Himbo means an attractive but unintelligent man. So I'm that's not bad. That <laughs> it's not bad at all. <laughs> We're canceled. Um, I love Barbie Dream. Also, I'm really excited for the new Barbie movie with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. I'm like scared because it's Greta Gerwig, who's like an incredible director. She's a little woman. Like she likes to make things like avant garde. So I don't know if it's gonna be like funny, or it's gonna be really bad. I'm surprised Barbie signed off on it. Like Mattel. I love Margot Robbie so much because when she signs a contract, you can tell, like, it's all these big budget productions and, like, you can just tell she knows her worth. It's very exciting. You know this girl's getting bank. I mean, come on. Wolf of Wall Street, Babylon, Barbie, like, these huge blockbusters. She's insane. I'm confused because originally it's supposed to be, who's that comedian everyone hates? Amy Schumer? Yes. I love that. That's how you knew she was. Yeah. Because originally Amy Schumer was supposed to play Barbie. I think she dropped out because of, like, creative differences, but, like, um, I don't think that she's she's a very polarizing figure yeah. and it, I could see Greta Gerwig going in that direction but she is very polarizing so Margot Robbie like makes sense because she looks like Barbie but what I respect about Margot Robbie is that she does not challenge herself at all no. like, she plays <laughs> that's the, what I'm saying she plays the same character in every movie and I actually respect that because she's good at it she just plays herself and I was trying to say that in like a nicer way but yeah you said what I was trying to say earlier yeah. I, I didn't know she was Australian she started talking and I was like why is she talking like that and I was yeah. like oh she's actually from Australia I, you know what this is going to make no sense but I'm going to say it alright Acting is kind of an ick a little bit if you're a man. <laughs> I dare you say that about Chris yes. Evans? No, not him. Because okay. he actually is Captain America. Yeah. Um, no, that's actually Because like, when I was watching Creed, I was like, they're not actually fighting. Like, all of this, like, no, no. It wasn't the fighting. It, it was like, it's also why I don't really like Michael B. Jordan. This, is like the, this scene is the reason why. And it's not going to make any sense to you, but yeah. I just want you to get in my head for a second. It's like he's walking out in Dodger Stadium for, like, the final fight. And he's like walking this arms race, and he's like, I'm the man. Everyone's like, ah, that's choreographed. <laughs> no, like, everyone is paid to be there. He's not a real boxer, but he's like, I'm gonna win. He's <laughs> 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 so bad. But like, I don't get that with all actors. It's like, if you're, I love movies, I want to be a screenwriter. Like, I love acting. Like, I love, I'm an artist. <laughs> I am a, what is it? I'm a thespian. But like, Leonardo DiCaprio, he like gets too into it. Like, he starts, like, like that scene in Django where he accidentally stabs his finger with a glass, and that it wasn't scripted. Like he actually squeezed the, like the fake glass so hard that it punctured his skin, and his arm is like pouring out real blood. And he continues the scene they left it in the movie. Like I get dedication to your craft, but I'm like you're taking it a little bit too far. Like that's too much. It's too much. I don't know. I don't like Quentin Tarantino either. But like, ugh. I'm also gonna say something else because you know we're gonna get a lot of people in our comments being like, I literally you're so freaking disrespectful so i'm gonna sorry i'm gonna disclaim what i'm about to say with this is that obviously a lot of amazing performances have come out of people method acting i'm not saying if you method act you're a bad actor that's not what i'm trying to say at all like a lot of the most brilliant iconic performances of all kind of all time came out of method acting whatever i appreciate it it's a craft great moving on 
I'm not trying to be mean, but like if you, it's called acting for a reason. Like you don't actually have to be the character. That's number one. Number two is like, that is just not healthy for you. Like I think that you can be passionate about something and not have it take over your life. Like the guy who played the Joker, not Joaquin Phoenix. The no, other. Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just me. I don't know why they made me laugh when you said it. Not the other guy. What's his name? The guy yeah. who died. Unfortunately. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah. He's a, he's a great actor. Like Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Yeah. No, he's an amazing actor, but the, and like his performance as the Joker was incredible. But the thing is, is like he held himself up in a motel for like six weeks straight, didn't talk to anybody, didn't see the sunlight, just to get in the mindset of the Joker. I get that you like want to play the character as well as you can, yeah, but like but... I just think it's not good for your mental health. No, I'm not a doctor or an actor, but that's my opinion. But that's the same thing with like um, the guy who played Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, like he said that he like it started to freak him out a little bit. And, like, even the guy who played Elvis, which I don't know why it was that serious. Austin Butler. He still talks like that. He still... He's like, for three years, I talked to my family or my friends. Why? And I <laughs> like, you didn't even, need to do all that. Exactly. I didn't think method acting was even... This literally all stemmed from Austin Butler because I heard how he, like, prepared for Elvis. And then after the movie, he was like, Elvis is literally haunting my insides. I don't think you should be able to sacrifice your mental health and your physical health and, like, your sanity and your overall... Like, you should not have to alter your entire personality to play a character. That's just... There are plenty of iconic performances that came out of method acting, but there are also plenty of iconic performances that did not come out of method acting that are, like, insane. And guess what? The actors still have their mental health. And I think that that is just something that people don't talk it just kind of scares me and I actually do feel kind of bad because I will say Elvis was a good movie like I did enjoy seeing it I loved Um, that movie but if I did all of that and didn't win an Oscar or a little something something (laughs) I would be actually so mad they were also nominated I think 13,000 times and they didn't win a single award they did really well at like the other all the other ones yeah I don't know it's a little bit sad Austin Um, won best actor right at one of them sure yeah I don't know (laughs) I know, so last episode, if you tuned in, you heard Sydney and I talking about our journey through, like, peace in relation to partners, but that was more romantically inclined. Like, that was a little bit to do with the topic. So, we realized that we haven't given you guys a life update in a while, so we're just going to take, like, I don't know, eight or seven minutes to tell you about what's going on in our life because you care so much. So, the job that I started, I started this job as a social media marketing manager for a tech company. Manager. That's been manager. Manager. <laughs> that's what it, you talk about the Pink Panther. Yeah. <laughs> that's your accent. Um, and that's going really well. I, I just had my 90 day check-in and I love it because it's like exactly what I learned in college. So it feels really good to like apply my degree to everything that I'm doing. Um, it's like a restaurant, it's a tech company that supports restaurants. So that's really cool too, because that's what my entire TikTok's about. So I have a lot of experience in that sector. So I know what I'm doing. Um, and personally, I'm still dating my boyfriend. He's great. He like met my mom officially for the first time yesterday, which was awesome. It went really well. I think they both really like each other. Oh my God. We went to Patty McGuire's. Aw. Yeah. I was going to say RBF. I meant to throw back their stuff. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> And that's about it, I think. I'm just excited for the summer. Like, the warm weather is creeping in at this point, but you can tell it's still kind of fluctuating, at least in New York. I don't know where y'all are, but it's fluctuating between kind of like 60 degrees and 40 degrees. And I just want it to be summer. Like, I want a day drink. I want to go out. I want to go to concerts. I want to, like, hang out outside. I want to picnic, do wholesome activities, take walks. And I'm so excited. I'm going to go on runs again. I'm really excited for the warm weather. It's really nice here in New York so far. Um... Yeah, I'm making this a very me era because I feel like I've just spent so much time doing things for other people. So now I'm focusing on school and my mental health 
and I'm working out every day, looking for my first legal job for the next two years. So and you got that in. position at the Columbia. Oh yeah, and I just won secretary for the Black Association. So follow us on Instagram at Columbia Bolsa. Um, you know, it's cute little time. It's a very stressful time, but I'm trying not to get um, stressed again. So I'm just taking it day by day. Yeah. How do you feel about um, Columbia's post, post with Brett Kavanaugh? Um, well, the Bolsa, the Black Association, just put out a statement. And actually, every organization I'm a part of. So Bolsa, I'm secretary. Ewok, I'm like a 1L representative. representative. Um, they're both formally withdrawing from... I just saw the post. I'm so dead because everyone's like pouring. Sorry, I just like stopped myself and interrupted myself. Um, <laughs> for context, Columbia Law posted a picture of the Federal Society, Federalist Society, FedSoc, meeting Brett Kavanaugh on the Columbia Law Instagram. And in the comment, the caption, they were like, they're meeting like um, a justice, and like talking about all his incredible opinions, etc. And the issue is that people are like, why is Columbia Law? in some sense endorsing like a person who's taken the rights away from so many and has also been like credibly accused of sexual assault by multiple people um as someone who has um been essayed i was a little bit offended by it and also i think that columbia is kind of like we're not endorsing it we're just showing what our students are doing but i think that by putting it on a public platform you're endorsing it um and both Columbia's Bolsa and Ewok, which is the Empowering Women of Color group, have formally withdrawn withdrawn from helping Columbia with any admissions stuff for the rest of the year um, because of it. I'm not just that's not the only thing. It's been like building up, and that's like the the straw that broke the camel's back. Because they said that in their letter, right, in their formal statement, that it wasn't just that; it was like a bunch. Of it's stuff. a bunch of stuff. And I think it's because like the sole reason I met Columbia is because of Bolsa. Like they really took me under their wing. Like when I first applied took me through the entire process, like, was there for me, gave me advice, career advice, like, any benefit I've had from Columbia has been from Bolsa, like, they've helped me professional development, mentorship, like, meeting people, having a community, like, all that's come from Bolsa, which is why I'm on the board now, so I'm, like, wanted to get very involved in it, and um, when it came to admissions, like, they threw their own events, they threw happy hours, they threw, like, after-hour talks, admissions talks, helped me through, like, the application process, they had dinners for us, helped us meet professors, meet each other, etc., all before we even came to school, they sent me, like, merch, things like that. Like, they really, like, took us under their wing to make sure that, like, we felt we had a community or, like, a support system at Columbia. And that's not even through Columbia's funding. Like, they have all this through, like, um, firm funding and, like, their own fundraising. And so they're kind of, like, or we're kind of, like, why are we helping Columbia get black students here in a space where we barely feel comfortable? You know, like, we're putting our necks out on the line for you, but not receiving the same kind of support back. So that's where it's at right now. And they're not, like, not helping black students or students of color get into Columbia or, like, help them with the process. They're just saying we're not doing it through Columbia anymore. Like, anything that we do will be as our association, on our own funding, our own time, so that we can say what we want to say. Like, we don't have to have, like, Columbia bring down our next whatever. So it's been a very dramatic week at Columbia. And I'm dead because under the post, everyone's doing, like, think pieces. Like, how dare you support this, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I would have done that if I knew that was the vibe. But I saw it when it first got posted, so I just commented side-eye. And all these random people keep liking my comment, and I'm like, oh, I Isn't swear. Isn't it the I... most, like, comment on the It's post? one of them. But I was like, I do have thoughts. I just didn't say them. Yeah. I, I could have written an educational piece, but yeah, I didn't. In fact, I did not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, the vibe. That's actually so funny. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, because I remember I saw that post freaked out and then I saw Bolsa's response and I freaked out at that too it was pretty crazy yeah. they also said that um, 
What I liked is they ended it with like, this is what we're choosing to do, but we acknowledge that there's going to be a new board coming on soon and like they're going to, it's up to them to decide like whether or not we're going to, they're going to do the same thing as us. Yeah. Um, it was and pretty nuts. It's such a, so much drama. I felt like I was into it. And I'm because it's me. Yeah, like, it's you. I'll be running the social media next, next week actually. And so they send the email and they're like, yeah, like send us out for dissemination. I was like, oh, me? Me? <laughs> hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the topic today is twofold, but it's basically the same thing. Um, the first part of it is like, can you 
change a toxic relationship? So can a relationship that was once toxic or is toxic currently, can that ever become untoxic? Is the person toxic or is it the relationship and can that ever change? And so subsequently, the topic is could you ever change a person or could a person ever really change, especially when you're in a relationship? Um, So very interested to hear Sydney's thoughts on this for sure because I feel... To me, I know that people can change because that's what life is. But when I feel a certain type of way about you and I, you know, you you show me your true colors enough, I kind of label you in my head, whether it's true or not, as a toxic person, you know? And a lot of that time, a lot of times that comes out of a toxic relationship. So I don't know. For me, it's all very absolute, but it shouldn't be like that because, you know, people can grow and change, but... I have a list in my head right now of people that I can think of who I would never talk to again, even if they are the best person in the world. And even still, it's like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about all these people. I'm wishing them love and light and I'm sending them on their way. But I would never engage in the relationship with them again because of the pain they caused me in the past. As someone who is attracted to toxic people, (laughs) my type, like literally the only thing that all people like have in common is the toxic. Um, Read. Uh, this is actually very funny because I didn't realize this about myself consciously until um, one of my close guy friends who was older than me read me for filth because yep. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I don't really have a type, but I feel like for some reason, like everyone that I end up having feelings for is that it's not healthy. And he was like, no, it's because you like projects. You're attracted to toxic people. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think subconsciously this has to do with the attachment style I have, which we talked about last episode. But it's like, I do overcompensate. So like when someone starts to pull back, it makes me do more. And I like, like I said, loving people and like being in a relationship. So I think that I don't necessarily seek out emotionally unavailable people. But I think once I start talking to someone, if they don't give me like or show me that they want me or want me to be a relationship, I feel the need to act more because it's a sense of rejection I'm trying to run away from. And so that's like, you know, people say they get the ache and people like them. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Oh. Because for me, it's like, okay, I don't have to put any work in, which I do. And it's a very toxic state of mind. But in my head, I want to not fix people, but yeah, fix people. And it's a very unhealthy trait I'm working on. I do not think necessary. Okay. I'm not going to make it an absolute. I do think people have the capacity to change, but I don't think one, it's overnight. Um, two, I'm the person that says look at actions and not words because you can say you're going to change all you want but until you show me I'm not going to believe it I think that change takes a lot of internal work and um, self work and time and so you can't change overnight but like for me that was a big thing in my last relationship is that the first time the person was infidelity Unfaithful. Unfaithful. I'm super smart. You got there. You Infidel got there. faithful. I go to Columbia Law. Yes. In my head it was infidelity. I was like yes. infidelitious. <laughs> um. That makes it sound prettier. Prettier. Like bootylicious, but just like you're a cheater and a liar. Exactly. <laughs> was unfaithful in my head. It was like, okay, this is something we can work on together. Like now that they've seen how it hurts me, we can both put an effort to make sure we're meeting each other's needs and thus that person will change. And they, they told me every time it happened, because it happened actually quite million, 40 bajillion, bajillion, bajillion times <laughs> that they're going to change. They are not going to change because you don't just say you're going to change. Changing takes recognizing the problem, 
doing active work to address and recognize the problem and then making sure that you like act a certain way going forward and you cannot do that overnight like yes you see that i'm crying you promise you're going to change then you do it again because you realize i'm going to stay by doing it i think people really only respond to action especially if you are in like a woman and man relationship and it takes them losing you or realizing that their actions do have consequences to even recognize the problem in the first place it's like yeah cheating is wrong they knew that before they did it literally that no one learns that it's wrong after doing it they made an active decision to do something they knew that would hurt you and then they got caught so then they got upset yeah. you know and then you also have to think it's like if i never caught you would you ever have been like sitting there throwing up crying at my feet because you did this thing that you like clearly didn't have any qualms about the first six times you did it? you know what i mean yeah and like as someone who's been through that actually every day of their lives for the last five years um i would say that the one thing that i learned in hindsight is that I was obsessed and preoccupied with wanting to know why they did it this way. How do they feel about me if they would treat me that way? Why would you ever want to hurt me, etc. Without just realizing that like all of the answers I need are in the action. You cheated on me. That answers every one of those questions. You do not want me. You do not care if you hurt me. Why am I spending so much time and effort wanting you to tell me that? You've already showed me. I'm telling you, take people at their actions, not at their words, because that will show you their true intentions. And I cannot tell you how much like peace I would have had or time I would have spent chasing after someone for an answer that they have already given me, you know? Oh God, I'm so wise. You are, you're, you pulled out your Yoda there. Time and wisdom, it's pain. <laughs> oh wow, that's so depressing. Yeah. So I have a funny story that I'm actually not too sure I've ever told you, Sydney. And I definitely never said it on the podcast just because it hurts, but it's actually really funny. When I was 18, I have my first boyfriend, so first relationship, right? Out the jump, he cheats on me. <laughs> They're like, what's wrong with him? I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to preamble this by saying my ex is a very big sports fan. So I had one of his jerseys from like a game that we went to that I'm pretty sure I paid for. And I find out he cheats. I calls him. He starts screaming at me. And I'm like, okay, already problem number one, fix your tone. And then two is we meet up in person to talk about it. And like I was planning on breaking up with him. But then I didn't because I was immature and dumb and young. And I stayed with him for another like two months before I broke up with him. He literally is like crying crying, sobbing at my feet, whatever. And then at the end of the conversation, probably like an hour later, he goes, also, I know you have my jersey. Like, can I have that back actually? You literally just stuck your tongue down another girl's throat and you're going to sit here? Like, oh my God, that's how the conversation ended. And I stayed with him for two more months. So the moral of that story, I would say, is you have to be able to recognize indifference. It is the biggest life skill you can have with anybody, with family, with friends, with relationships. You have to recognize when someone does not give a fuck about you. I had a very similar conversation, except for it was like our 900th fight, something <laughs> which Sarah did witness. Um... And like, I really was like, I'm the last time we had to talk about us being relationship, I was like, I am going to leave. You have lost me. Like, that is it. I'm done. Like, this, the flip, the flip has switched. The switch has flipped. <laughs> the flip Guys, has this switched. Celsius is actually making my brain not work. <laughs> the switch has flipped. And he was like, whatever. That was like, also, I hope the Giants lose because they're doing really well this season. He was like, that is too far. And he blocked me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it took. Go for the go for the sports team. Oh man! How are you chasing after a team that consistently loses, but you can't? Ooh, I can't. I can't. That is so funny. I know when men sport, it don't make a sense. The only loyalty they have is to a losing team, and they will start. No, they will not cry when they lose you, but they will cry when their team loses March Madness. You don't know these people. Yeah. They don't know you. They're going to get paid more if they want to lose. Like, you, they don't know you. Like, let it go. They get paid millions of dollars if they lose a game. Yeah. It will be okay. 
when I say recognize indifference, like talk about maintaining your peace. When you see that your man is crying over like, I don't know, say a sports game or a video game, if he cares more about that superficial crap, more than he cares about your relationship, recognizing that is so important in maintaining your peace and staying happy because, oh my Lord. And I know that it can hurt to kind of realize that, oh my God, literally my boyfriend cares more about anything for for me it yeah it definitely like hurts to understand but once you do I promise you will be so much happier and moving forward and that can also give you the tools you need to find the right partner for you in the future someone who actually cares and puts in time and effort um and so that does sound very negative like make sure you recognize indifference but it's actually a positive thing because it can help you so much in the future and think about how much happier you'll be you know I think it's so hard to, to think about your future self, but like we used to always say season one and two and three. I think season three. Wow. Great yeah. News. We would always say like the three week, three month, three year rule. Like, is this going to matter to you in three months, three weeks, three years? But also like think about the consequences of reactions now. Like I wished I had really taken my own advice and been like, yeah, I want to stay with him now because I have feelings and I know, I think that he'll change. But what's the reality in three weeks, three months, three years, I'm still going to be hurt by this person. Very high likelihood. Leave. Get out. Get out. Ooh, JoJo's um, opening in, um, she's opening in Moulin Rouge. She's got the the part for Satine. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Oh, that's so Uh, exciting. You bet I'm going to be there. (laughs) Um, Be for real? That's so crazy. Yeah. And so I would say, like, when, um, like, I've been in a lot of relationships that, did not go so well and they were obviously extremely toxic and I would say that while a person can grow I don't think a person can change so that statement that's very popular once a cheater always a cheater I agree with probably 90 percent probably more like 99 percent because especially like there needs to be a change an actionable item that if someone is literally going to amend their ways and grow from this experience, because sometimes people literally just do make mistakes and like cheat once and then never cheat again. Like there are story, there are couples like that out there. And so that I would say is like the 1%. And to that, I would have to say, think about what happened after that person cheated. Like, was there a breakup? Was there a clean break that they somehow found each other afterwards? I think like all of the time, yes. You know, like there, you don't just look past it or stay together or just like have there be no consequences and hope they never do it again. You do have to prioritize yourself as much as it hurts. I would say like if you really want them to change or if you have any hope for the relationship to ever progress, while that shouldn't be your goal, your goal should be like healing and taking space for yourself. But like if you ever, if there is ever any hope for the relationship to survive in the future at some point, there needs to be some kind of separation. Yes. Distance, space, time. Yep. And like that is a space I'm currently trying to navigate because it's like, you want to get over someone, but obviously some part of you like hope something will happen in the future. But I think a better mindset, because I, I am the biggest proponent of not waiting for people. Because if someone's not ready to give you the time and effort you need to be with them right now, then why are you continuing to waste your time hoping that they do finally like look up and recognize your worth? You know, like if they wanted to be with you, they'd be with you. Like they would have taken the active steps to make sure that they're in a place where they can be ready. Um, so that took me a long time to learn and I'm like in the process of like recognizing that and saying like if you can't recognize my worth now why am I depleting myself or putting myself like on hold until you're ready not doing that so um that's what I'll say 
Just keep that in mind. Yeah, and I would say that I've never really been in a relationship that has, like, literally where the person showed me their true colors and then changed. I think what is really scary is that a lot of people, when they do get in a new relationship or in the early stages, like the honeymoon period, they do mask a lot of their real qualities. And it's really unfair because then you, as the normal person, get super invested in the relationship And then when you see their true colors, it's been like months. So you feel like, oh, I have to see this through. Almost that kind of feeling. Or like, oh, I'm already in this. I have to keep going. Um, Or like, I have to be the fixer. And that was definitely me in a couple of my past relationships. But this is what I would say. And this is, I think, was very prevalent in a very recent relationship I had. Is like, know what you're asking them to change. Think about whether that's literally an aspect of their personality or just like a boundary you're setting or something that like look an easy ask know the kind of ask that you're kind of putting in front of them because if you're asking them to change something about their personality or their like physical location like something dire so if someone's an introvert asking them to always come to parties with you that's yes (laughs) yeah or literally speak ever that seems like kind of easy in your brain oh, you just have to come to this party with me. But to them, that's an aspect of their personality that they probably won't ever be able to change. So I would say, like, know the difference between that versus, like, hey, can you do the dishes more often? It's stuff like that where it's, like, that the latter is an actionable item where you're not requiring them to change part of themselves. And that, they could pro- it's a habit that they could actually change. And easy, too. But when you're asking somebody to, like, mold their personality to either, like, what you want them to be or ask somebody to stop cheating when they're like a serial cheater you know like that can be part of your personality especially especially in older men I recognize that so it's like think about what you're asking of them and think about whether or not that's worth it to you because if you ask somebody to change part of their personality even if they agree you will never not be disappointed in the outcome hey girlfriends it's me Carol Fisher I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the girlfriends In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s 
to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects the gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's so annoying, guys are like, men are supposed to cheat, is it leave nature? Uh, your nature is hunting and gathering. Go outside and pick some berries. Fight the war, be a sorry. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, Literally, go pick up some berries and go find a deer. Like, if you want to be a man so badly. It's not a natural part. You have no self-control. Anyway, um, and tell me if you agree or disagree with this. I will. I am so guilty of this that I'm the poster child. But I do think that part of the reason why it's usually women who stay in toxic relationships um, is because we have this, like, societal belief that it is our job to fix men and i don't know if it's because women aspire to marriage um just because of like the way they've been taught through like familial values societal values movies television books etc mm-hmm. or that like our goal is having like our one true soulmate our one true love like whatever and making it last forever happily ever after literally that's an entire genre of literature and movies etc that tells us that we have one person so then we find someone we think that we like or have feelings for it. We think it's our like dying duty to change that person and make something work. Yeah. But sometimes you just you cannot change someone. You know, like you can't change a situation. And maybe that's like um, their way of showing you that like they're not the one for you. You know, sometimes you will find someone better. You know, and, and it's hard to see that in the moment. But if you step back and get a bigger picture, sometimes the picture is a little different. And that's another thing I'll say is that it you literally unless you're in it you don't understand like it is so hard to see when you're in it and that happened to me so many times everybody around me was telling me this one thing and how it's not gonna work and because of this because of very very like logical reasons and I'm sitting there saying you're wrong you don't know him like I do etc but the thing is is Cindy is so right I think I forget which episode you said this and if it was last one or this one but hindsight is so seriously 2020 you get out of it and the thing is, is with me is I'm very hard on myself. Like I don't take myself too seriously, but in the big stuff, when I fuck up or when I make the wrong choice, I just stop trusting my judgment. And I would just like to remind you as someone who does this, give yourself so much grace, you know, Sydney coined that phrase in this podcast, but I, you know, I have no idea where that came from. I mean, neither, but I love it. I mean, it's so true. There's no way you could have known. Just be grateful you got out of it when you did. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's also hard to, like, because I know I do this, like, thinking about, like, I should have left 
three years before I did. Yeah. I should have done this. I should have said that. Those thoughts will consume you. Yeah, it's so easy to, like, want to beat up and blame yourself. But just, like you said, be grateful that you got that when you did and that you're realizing those things now and realize that that was the purpose of what you went through. Like, yes, um, it's painful. Yes, it's traumatic. But realize that, like, everything in life teaches you a lesson and it's just a matter of how you grasp that lesson and how you move forward from it. Yeah, so I would say overall, clean break is very important when something major does happen in a relationship, don't feel like it's your responsibility to stay in it because it's not, especially if the other person made a mistake like cheating or, you know, something major. It, You both deserve a lot of space for from that situation. It gets harder for sure when it's like a marriage with kids and everything. Like, what do you feel about that? Because I know we talk about this a lot where it's like, what would you do if someone ever cheated on you? Like, break up with them immediately, see it through. Like, at this point in your life. Because we both made mistakes before we, like, stayed Ooh. with the person. No, but we've sat each other down and been like, are you insane? Literally. Dump them. <laughs> we're like, no. Yeah. You don't know if I'm like I do. And so, I don't know why my Southern Belle just came out, but I liked it. Um, but if you were, like, married with kids and if, like, your partner cheated on you, like, what would you do? Uh, leave him yeah a lot of people have so many qualms with that like I understand because like your kids are affected too but like as a child of divorce <laughs> I will say that sometimes like people always say like that's when it gets so like side eye when the people are like 25 and like my parents are getting divorced because <laughs> I'm like would you rather them be together and miserable like sometimes it's better to have like a view of your parents happy and apart than together and miserable because like the way that you view love as a kid it affects the way that you view love as an adult so I think, like, I'm not going to have my kids around someone, or not around someone, but see me stay when I'm disrespected because I want my kids to do that for themselves. So I wouldn't do that for myself. You know? I completely agree. Um, a lot of people have a lot of qualms with it. I see on TikTok a lot where it's like, how can you be so selfish to prioritize yourself over your kids when, like, there, it's, a, it's a great father. So in the case of a woman, obviously, I'm speaking of. It's like when it's a great father to your kids, how can you be so selfish to let your pride take over when your husband made a mistake to like leave. And I would just like to say, I think that's a crock of shit because I, I'm so happy about what you said because you're so right. It's like, what do you, I'm not being selfish for shit. Like I, you know, if you disrespect me, who else are you going to disrespect? If you're like cheating on me, that's not okay. And like my kids can't see that because it's going to affect them in the future. You're going to put them right in therapy and like, that's not okay with me. So, and I think like in, cheating in general not just in marriage but it's like if you show someone that they can disrespect you and that you'll stay like why would they not do it again that's why i think it's always interesting when like there was one girl on tiktok i saw that this happened to that like they dated for eight years broke up for four dated other people one of them got engaged to someone else then they broke up and then they got back together and they were like we need all of that to happen for us to work and i don't know how i feel about that because i do understand that like sometimes life happens and like you have to grow on your own in order to grow together and, like, I can see how that would make sense. But at the same time, like I said, it's so hard to see, like, how did you not recognize my worth before? And when I do that work before, it means you have to be okay with it. So I think that's, like, a qualm that I have. So I think you can, like, support someone through change. You can, um, like, guide, not guide them, but, like, help them along. But you can't force them to do that work. Yeah, and so also, I again, think. one could argue that that's not even change that's growing. You know, you, you can help someone along their growth journey, but changing who they are, I'm just not sure. I think change goes to the nature of someone. You can't change someone's nature. You can change the way, or they can change the way that they approach situations. But, like, fundamentally, who you are as a person, I feel like you can't really drastically change that. But that's what I'm saying. It's, like, how can you tell when a certain situation is who someone is, or if it's, like, a bad moment, a bad day, a bad time, or just something that needs growth? Growth, yeah. I think also, like, that's 
kind of brings to the conversation of taking breaks. Mm. It's like people always say, oh, I want to take a break to work on myself. But like if you're taking a break, I think breaks don't work. Hot take. <laughs> if the source of the break is what sides if it's going to work or not. Like if the source of your break is that you want to get with other people, just break up. Because I think that that's a way of being like, I want to see if there's better out there. Like if you just want to see if there's something out there, then break up. You don't be the person that you're with. And if you have to see if there's someone else out there in order to confirm your feelings for a person, then don't be with them. But if you're like taking a break to spend time to do your own mental work on your own, that's different. So I think that like for me, that would show me that you want to be with me. If it's not about you getting with other people or having your like last bit of freedom, because like, why do you need to be free from me? We locked in, you know, ain't no freedom. <laughs> but um, so I think that's how I feel weird about people taking quote unquote breaks to change. The concept of breaks is just protection from the inevitable that you know is about to happen, but you're too scared to like say it at that point, you know, or you're just not ready. I think a break is more about you and less about the relationship. If you say you're taking a break to grow or like to eventually get back together, I don't know if I believe that, <laughs> you know? It's like just break up and if you guys feel like you guys align better down the road, then that's great. But like don't keep people hanging on. I was just about to say, it's just leading somebody on and also just because you break up doesn't mean that you can never get back together. It's just yeah. more final. Like it, it feels more final, which is why a lot of people choose break over break up. Um, but Nothing is saying, like, no, you know, nothing's coming out of the woodwork saying that you cannot get back together with someone who you break up with. So I just think that you have to keep that in mind and realize your intentions, if, especially if you're the one to initiate a break. Realize what you mean by that. Realize how much, like, you're harming the other person. You know, I've initiated breaks before, too, and a lot of them, like, were for the wrong reason. So I, uh, you know, coming from someone who was the, like, person in the wrong in that sense... I cannot advise you more. I think a breakup is just so much more easy in the long run. Do you think that you could ever get back together with someone that you had broken up with? Like, um, as a concept or with my roster personally? As a concept. Like, not even necessarily yeah. a relationship, just like in general, someone you've ever been romantic with at some point. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're young. I think that, like, if you got with someone or if you were in a relationship when you were, like, in high school and then you broke up all throughout college and, like, you know experienced other things and had other relationships and then you got back to get yeah for sure I think there's a lot of growth there literally like neuro neurologically you know like you have to grow as a human and like your brain isn't fully developed yet so like you might have been more immature in high school than you are when you're like 27 so I think that yes in that case but it's really hard because if it doesn't work out twice ooh, you know what I mean? yeah well then it's like double whammy yeah double like, I wasted my time with you twice that's crazy what about you um, I think no to someone that I've been with, like, in a, like, a, like a committed relationship, like, boyfriend-girlfriend, mostly because of my personal roster, but, because, like, if we had gone through all of that and still couldn't make it work, what's going to change necessarily for that time? Like, if we had been intimate and you broke my heart, and, like, I did all that work getting over you, we, the train is not going backwards. But I think I, it also depends on, like, why the relationship ended, you know? Exactly. So, with my personal roster, oh, absolutely not. Me too. Um. When I think if it's someone that, like, I had romantic feelings for, like, a crush on, like, I could do that. Yeah. Or even for me, someone who I had, like, a physical – wait, what? Someone who I had a physical relationship with but didn't date, I could probably date them in the future. I just looked up where Saks Fifth Avenue. If anyone was wondering, it is on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> All right, you guys, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out on socials at Crying in Public Podcast, and you can also listen to us on iHeart and 
Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again. We love you. Bye. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.